tonight will be a current events update and Jesus' return update. Is that all right? <clears throat> so I just got some things on my heart I'd like to share with you. Uh, with all this praying we're doing, it is uh, stirring some stuff up quite a bit, and uh, you're going to see a lot begin to happen eventually. You know, uh, what happens when the, when the aggregation of the, of the believers praying um, uh, comes up to where it needs to be, God really does begin to manifest himself. How many hear me? So uh, I'm expecting that. So uh, cut to the chase here. I'll make this comment and then follow up with lots of things that perhaps back it up. Seems as though we are in the season of that seven-year tribulation beginning. And I just want to talk to you about that. I've been hearing this all my life, and it's kind of like the boy that cried wolf. You know, I've been hearing it so much in Second Peter 3, where is the promise of his coming for all things continue as they are, you know, uh, from the beginning without changing. And uh, Peter said people would be that way at the end of time, and it's certainly that way today. And there's really a, a, quite, a, quite a lackadaisical attitude that I have noticed among believers, some believers, not everybody. I think everyone here stirred up. You got to be pretty stirred up to come to church on Wednesday night <laughs> or at least to watch online. So nonetheless, uh, quite a lackadaisical attitude, and God really is wanting to stir us up and stir the pot. So I have reasons to say what I just said. Um, a few weeks ago, I was praying. I get up early in the morning. I read my Bible first, and then I pray. And a few weeks ago, I was praying, and, uh, and this kept coming to me while I was praying. And it's a, a quote from, and let me tell you how the Holy Spirit works. If you think, well, God never speaks to me. Uh, back years ago, I'd known the Lord just a few years, and, and I kept hearing people say, well, God said this, and the Lord spoke to me about that. And, you know, it made me feel a bit inferior because I thought, God don't ever speak to me. I'm his child, won't even talk to me. And I, I was thinking that God just wasn't speaking to me. And then it dawned on me one day, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Anytime you have a scripture come back to you, particularly if it comes over and over again, it's the Holy Spirit witnessing to your heart. Uh, Jesus said, John 14, 26, he'll bring to your remembrance that which I have spoken to you. So if you have scripture come back to you, how many know often the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Now, he does that to me a lot. He just will bring up a scripture or a phrase or a portion of a scripture. So I was praying, and, uh, and this came up to me from Luke 22, 31 and 32. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. I kept hearing Satan has desired you that he may sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you, Jesus said to Peter, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers, your brethren. So again, uh, there is a time, and, and while I was praying, I had the sense that it's almost like a supernatural demonic attack against all things Christian and against believers in their personal lives. And it is as though demonic forces are turning up the heat in believers' personal lives to seek to get them to compromise themselves. How many hear what I'm saying? I've got in my notes compromise in ethics, that means in how you do life with honesty, integrity, or beneath the surface on the sly. So he's trying to, he's trying to get people to compromise in personal morals, in the use of your time. There's a lot of time-wasting mechanisms today. And, uh, and I'm telling you, I, I focus in. I don't like to waste time, but I, there's lots of opportunity to waste time all day long. Yes or no? And uh, so I'm, I'm passing up those opportunities. Um, and, uh, and then he's also... Uh, seeking to compromise believers in what they hear and see. And there's so much there's so much bad that you can see and hear all day long because of technology. My encouragement is turn it off, turn the word up. My personal life, I've made a decision. I'm going to read more word than I read other books. I'm going to read more word than I do anything else because I want God's word inside me so the Holy Spirit can speak to me. Yes or no? So Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. So what area of your life are you vulnerable in? Ask yourself that question. Uh, James 1, this is not in my notes. I get to talking, all this comes up. James 1, uh, James said, uh, 1, 12, 13, uh, 14, every, every man, every believer is tempted when he's drawn away from his, by his own strong desire and enticed, baited. So what baits you? What draws you away? Here's a bigger question. What what in your life, in your past, have you yielded to that still tempts you? 
it could be a fleshly thing. It could be a mental thing. It could be a relational thing. It could be a habit that, that Jesus has set you free from. You got to be aware of the enemy's going to come back and see if you got that door open or closed. Particularly today. How many hear what I said? So now's the time to clean up your life, allow God to do deeper, a deeper personal cleansing. So just be aware of that. If you've been tempted and thoughts have come back that you thought you were free from, but they keep sneaking back or this desire sneaks back or this thing. So just be aware of the enemy. That's how he works. He works with what you've already placed in your life and the, uh, you know, and the, and the yearnings that you've yielded to in your past days. Uh, Malachi 3, this has come to me in recent time while praying. Malachi 3, 2 and 3, this is New King James. Who can endure the day of his coming? This talking about the second coming of Jesus. Who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. I love that scripture, and I keep hearing that. Then it says he will set as he will set as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. So when Jesus comes back, the day of his appearing, he's coming like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. Now he's coming back to the believer before he comes back to the earth and he's coming back to us to clean us up so he can take us to heaven. And he's cleaning us up in this day so he can use us. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, accumulating some praying we've been doing. Here's what I keep hearing from the Lord. The Lord, before he can do a, a greater work through us, it's got to be done in us. And so the higher you go, the deeper the glory, the more stringent the work on the inside has to be. And you got to yield to God. So... If you sense, I said all that to say, if you sense on the inside of you these urges and yearnings to clean up, to stop doing some things, maybe they're not bad necessarily in and of themselves, but they take your time. They take your attention away from spiritual things. Uh, maybe it's a, a portion of the world. Smith Wigglesworth said a good de definition of the world is that which cools my affection toward God. It may be all you do is watch sports and you give you a little bit of time for the word to save your conscience. I don't know. Or it could be you got a hobby or whatever. Or it may be legitimate things that you say, well, you know, I work so hard I need to chill and take a break. Well, you shouldn't chill and take a break from spiritual thing, things until your tank is full. Yes or no? Years ago, Kenneth Hagin's son uh was ministering actually this was 1980 susan and i were in tulsa and he was teaching one of the classes he and his wife and he said you know he was talking about all kinds he likes sports and he liked this that and the other he said i have hobbies i enjoy but he said i have made a decision and i never forgot i was in my early 20s when he said it and it, it's kind of set a course of my life he said i i never take a break from spiritual things now i take a break from things i normally do but I don't take a break from spiritual things and the hobbies I enjoy and such. He said, I don't, even, I don't even let myself be involved in those until I'm full inside with the Word. Once I'm full of the Word, then I can do a little bit of play stuff. How many hear what I'm saying? We need to pay attention to that today. So again, who can endure the day of His coming? Who shall stand when He appears? He's like a refiner's fire, a launderer's soap. That is, what does a refiner's fire do? Well, it purifies. It brings the alloy to the surface so it can be scooped up. So, you know, this is, should be, and it's probably happening to most everybody that's listening to me today. Probably God is speaking to you about things in, that you're involved in that may be taking time that you really need to spend with the Lord, either in the Word or in prayer. How many hear me? And he's just talking to you about readjusting your priorities. It's really important now, if you're going to do anything for God, now is the time to do it. And, uh, you know, I have so many people that have told me over the years, well, well, you know, Mitch and then eventually Pastor Mitch, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not going to go to hell. I've had a few people tell me that and I think they found the lake of fire when they died because they put off what they knew they should be doing. This is not a day to put off. So on the heels of, he's like a refiner's fire or launderer's soap. Let me remind you again of Amplified Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment or rewards. The Greek word is B-E-M-A, bema, and it means rewards, uh, seed of Christ, so that each one 
may receive his pay according to what he's done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been, what he's achieved, been busy with, and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. When I said that, I remember an illustration Kenneth Hagin gave when he was, teach- he was uh, pastoring a church in the 1940s before he got into the big ministry that God eventually gave him. He was in Texas pastoring, and he said he had a parsonage, a, a house right beside the church building. And he said he would go over on Saturdays and different days of the week, and, uh, and he would go into the church building and pray. So, you know, he had kids and all that, so it said to be by himself. He said he would go to the, uh, to the, to the front of the, build, of the church. We call it an altar place. And, and he said he'd lay his Bible down there and read his Bible a little bit on his knees. And then he said he'd just sit there and pray. And he said, he said many times, and, and this affected me too. He said, he said he'd be praying. And this is just the way he was a very homespun kind of a person. He said, he said, while I was praying, God got to dealing with my motives. Now, I said that, and that came to my mind because of what the Scripture said. Uh, we must appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he's done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been. And then what he's achieved and busy with giving himself an attention to accomplish. He was sitting, he was, he was praying, and he said, I was praying in the Spirit. And he said, I began to pull out and begin to think about my motives. And he said, I pulled this one out. And it was like a big black octopus and it had tentacles and it, it ran into all kind of different areas of my life. You know, he didn't mention which ones, but he said it had tentacles that affected lots of things in me. And he said, then I got to pray and I was thinking, and then this other motive, why I did a certain thing. And he said, I pulled that one out and laid it down on the altar. And then here's another one, I pulled it out and laid it down. That was just his way of saying that he had to deal with the reasons he did what he did. How many know you can do what you do for a show? How many know you can sing for a show? You can sing for the glory of God. How many know you can get up here and preach and teach so people think you're somebody great or you can do it so you can help people? Is that true? Or you can do things for others so everybody think you're somebody great or you can do it because you really love them. What are your motives? Why do you do what you do? And so again, just be aware and I'm saying this because we're all going to be before Jesus for long. And, uh, and I had a conversation with somebody who may be in the room about uh, meeting Jesus. They were concerned that you have to stand before Jesus and get a, give account of your life. Well, understand this. The great white throne judgment is separated from the judgment seat of Christ. How many understand the difference? Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15, the great white throne judgment. That's people that don't know the Lord. They're, they're trusting their works to save them, so the book of works is opened, and they're judged according to, it, to what is written in the books. They thought their works would get them to heaven. God says, okay, let's see if uh, your works stack up to the righteous requirements necessary to go to heaven, and they never do. They're cast into the lake of fire. So see, there's a, there's a hearing, and there's a, there's a sentencing for the person that leaves this life without Jesus, and that's the great white throne judgment. For, but for believers... Just be aware, we're going to stand, all of us, I am and you are, before that Bema rewards seat of Christ. The picture in the New Testament is the guy over the Greco-Roman games. He's, stand, he's sitting on a high, tall chair way above everybody. I don't know, 10, 12 feet high. And he can see, and, and you got the runners perhaps, uh, like in a Colosseum, and they're running the track. And he can see the other end of the track very, very clearly because of his because of his seating position. That's the word Bema. He's the judge of a race, the judge of an athletic competition, and he's scrutinizing everyone. And that's that word Bema. So when we go through life, just be aware, our sins are forgiven, our sins are cleansed, but when we get to heaven, the rewards we get and the degree perhaps that we shine with the glory of God is going to be determined by our obedience now. Right? See, it gets quiet when we talk about all this. So I just encourage you. My encouragement is he's coming back, and we want to be ready for him, right? Uh, so I was, um, uh, we were praying this past Monday. I'm going to change gears a minute. We were praying this past Monday, and, and this has happened a number of times in recent times as I've been praying. Um, and we've been praying for our nation. And have you ever been praying and just come up against a wall? Like it's hard to pray? How many times, uh, I want a show of hands, 
How many times, in, uh, how many of you have had the experience within the last month of going to pray and it's like, this ain't working, this is hard. Raise your hand. No, most of us. Why, why, why do those kinds of things happen? You gotta understand prayer is a spiritual exercise. And then when you go to pray, there's spiritual resistance that comes. We all need to be aware of that. You know, I started in earnest. God dealt with me about my personal life. Uh, to, you know, I tell this a lot and haven't told it in a while. But back when I was, uh, I think I was 23, uh, God spoke to me. Uh, and he spoke to me the pr year prior to that. said, I want you to start uh, exercising regularly, daily. So I started, I started jogging for exercise. I did that for 33 years. And, uh, and you know... And, and it became a regimen for me, and I just got up and did the same thing every day, just did it, did it, did it, did it, and I got my body in shape, and uh, he told me to do that lifelong. Then the next year, uh, he spoke to me, because I ne have never been a morning person, and he said, I want you to put me first place in your life. That means when you get up, you take time to read and pray, because I was doing it different times of the day. Often at night, I would read my Bible, and then I would pray, and, uh, and he said, I want you to do it different, so I I mean, I'd been saved for several years when he spoke that to me, and it's not that I was out. Of, I wasn't out of fellowship. I'd already been to two Bible schools. But God was saying for me, because of the way he's going to use me, I want you to pointedly make sure you start your day with me and have plenty of time in the Word and pray. And so it turned into, started really small. It started with five minutes, ended up with two, over two and a half hours every morning. And I've been doing that for decades now. But when I first started praying, and, and praying regularly, methodically. Here's what I noticed. There would be times, it's like, you under the spout where the glory comes out. Woo, this is good. And then there's other days, it's like, man, this is grunt work right here. This just ain't working today. And everybody has those days. And, and I learned early on that if you're going to be successful with God, you've got to be willing to deny your feelings. How many hear me? God is not a feeling. Sometimes the Holy Spirit produces emotion and then sometimes the presence of God comes and it's tangible. There are times, if, and, and then let me say, if you trust that and, you, and you've got to have a feeling, you know, uh, what's that guy's dead now? Back in the early 70s. I, I, hooked on a feeling. A lot of people are hooked on a feeling. You know what I'm saying? Now he's talking about loving his little girlfriend and stuff. A lot of people are hooked on a feeling. You just feel like God's nowhere near unless you feel him. And I'm going to tell you, he's going he's gonna to break you of that habit. And he broke me from that habit early on in my prayer life. So I'd start praying. And when I first started, it's like, mm, this is good. This feels good. And then I'd go a couple of days, and it's like I could sense the presence of God. And then I'd go through a season of time. I felt zero. Sometimes that's God's discipline. Sometimes that's God weaning you off the spiritual bottle. Sometimes that's God saying, okay, I want you to be man or woman enough to walk by faith and not by feelings, and I'm going to help you do that. So don't feel badly if you have a prayer time or even a, even a time in the Word where it seems dry, where nothing's happening, where you're not getting anything out of it. Marilyn Hickey years ago said, if you have those kind of seasons when you're reading your Bible, you're doing some spiritual canning. You get it? You, you, you're putting it up for later. And I found that to be true. It seems like I got nothing out of what I was reading. Couldn't hardly remember what I read. You had that happen? And then, man, a couple of weeks later, it's like you're going through something and this thing floats up. Oh, I read that two weeks ago and you thought you didn't get it. The Holy Spirit's reminding you of it, right? Just be aware of that. So the other side of this, so there's times where God disciplines us and, and so prayer is more of a struggle and it's not as easy because we don't feel it. That's true. But then there are other times there's, there's demonic resistance. Did you hear what I'm saying? Now I have felt recently the demonic resistance. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 uh, Because it was our will to come to you I mean that I, this is amplified, I mean that I, Paul, again and again wanted to come, but watch this, but Satan hindered and impeded us. Now that, ver, that reference, but Satan hindered us, I've been praying and I could sense the hindrance of the enemy seeking to hinder prayer. Sometimes there's like a wall when you pray. How many know what I'm talking about? Again, there's other times and you gotta, you know, it just takes a while to figure out, okay, is God, God disciplining me and not want me to trust my feelings or is this the, the enemy trying to keep the prayers from working? I can tell you recently, even in our little circles of prayer and uh, the, where we prayed all these hours, I can tell the enemies sought to hinder. Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you, 
a bondservant of Christ, watch this, greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Notice he uses the word laboring fervently with praying. Praying is not always a good feeling and a goosebump. Sometimes it's labor. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's challenging. And what the inference I want to uh, I want to bring here is that sometimes when you're praying, the enemy seeks to hinder it, hinder your prayer life. That's where you just got to button down. I mean, just hunker down and say, I'm going to pray. Shut up. I bind you in Jesus' name. And just keep praying. How many hear me? And pray what you know to do. I pray in the spirit. I pray with the understanding. So that's another thing I wanted to mention tonight. Here's another one. Now we'll listen to this. Now this one's a challenge. It seems as though in my praying, I've prayed up against a wall when it comes to our nation. Now, y'all listen. I guess I can say this now. I'll say it again in a minute. You know, some people want to make America great again. America is not going to be great again until there's repentance in its people. What brought us where we were heretofore has been hard work, ethics, and morality. And now we're challenged in all three of those areas. Yes or no? So it seems as though, and I got this in my notes, that we as a nation are being judged now, you judge that yourself. Uh, one element of judgment, and I've shared this in a few contexts. I think the men, I talked about this yesterday with the men at 6.30 coffee, and I've talked about it in our prayer meetings as well. Judgment is when God leaves you alone to reap what you've sown. You ever thought about that? Now, I don't know about you. I would never want God just to leave me alone. Would you? I, I think that would be horrible be alone without his help so um we were praying here a few days ago again i listen to these things when, when words and here's what frequently happens you'll find this happen in your life as you're praying if you're praying in the spirit you, you know you, you've got this internal life when you're praying in the spirit or praying in tongues you're baptized with the holy spirit you're praying in the spirit put your mind on spiritual things don't let your mind wander on your on your job or what you're going to eat for lunch or supper or, you know, a conversation with your kid. No, keep your mind on spirit. Force your mind to think. I just envision myself, you've heard me say this, but I'm before the throne of God. So I just keep my mind on things above. If you do that, then you can, you can be aware of what's on the inside. And many times when I'm praying again, as I said earlier, Scripture come, well, I was praying here a few days ago, and the... the the scripture from, and it was a King James Version in my youth. Uh, let me say this. Um, the Lord used to speak to me. Anybody ever heard of Alexander Scorby? He's an Englishman who put the whole Bible on cassette tape that dates it, um, but he recorded it, and he had quite a, you know, he was an Englishman, so he had an English accent, but it was very easy to listen to, and his pr pronunciation was just excellent. And so I bought the Bible on cassette tape by Alexander Scorby. And when I was a young in the Lord, I was 18 years old. I'm, I'm, you know, moving down the road in my vehicle, but I'm listening to Alexander Scorby. I'm listening to the Word almost all the time because I was so hungry for it. How I many you know babies get really hungry? And they get hungry frequently. And I was hungry. I was hungry spiritually, you know. Uh, so, but I heard this, and I heard this in King James Version because I put it in me in King James Version. A lot of the things I hear is King James because it was been there for all those years. So I was praying for a nation. And I kept hearing the, the phrase, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own ways and be filled with their own devices. I said, God, what are you saying? And, and I was praying in spirit. I was praying for our nation. And I kept hearing, be filled with their own devices. They'll be filled with their own devices. So I remembered it was from Proverbs 131, and that's the King James Version. Therefore, shall they eat the fruit of their own way, be filled with their own devices? And I knew intuitively the Lord was saying that we in America have decided to live our own way, do what we want to do, regardless of what His Word says. And now He's allowing us to reap the consequences. How I many hear me? You judge what I'm saying, see if it's right or not. 
And uh, so I went back to the New Living Translation. I've read this in several venues in prayer. I think with the men, we read this uh, two yesterday. Here it is again, because I want you to hear this, and I, I want it recorded, and I want you to hear it online as well. Proverbs 1, 20 through 33. This is a person who, who decides to do what they want to do, regardless of what God has said in his word, and here's what he says. Wisdom shouts in the streets. This is Proverbs 1, verse 20, New Living Translation. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowd along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long, you mockers, relish your mocking? How long, you fools, will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you. Make you wise. Verse 24, I called so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. Verse 26, so I will laugh when you're in trouble. I'll mock when disaster overtakes you. Verse 27, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish and distress overwhelm you, when they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they'll not find me. For, why? For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. For they rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way. Choking on their own schemes. Whoa. The simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. I don't want that to be me. How about you? You ever had a person in your life? Maybe, 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 you're, a, maybe you're a leader, maybe you're a boss, or, or could, be a, could be a child, maybe an older child. You know, and, and, you know, you have permission to speak into this person's life in some venue. And, and you keep saying the same thing over and over again and eventually say, you know what? I'm done with you. You're not hearing a word I'm saying. I have nothing else to say. Have you ever done that? Did you know God does that? Would you want God to do that to you? Did you know that you can rebel so much and be so self-willed that God will leave you alone? Do you know that's what, that's what happened to Saul? the first king in Israel, he was so self-willed, God said, I have removed the anointing from his life. He will no longer remain as king. Saul eventually died, but while Saul was alive, David, the young shepherd, ruddy shepherd boy, was anointed as king over Israel. Which is God refused Saul because of his, because of his rebellion against God. How many hear me? Wow. You know, 1 Samuel 15, 22, somebody said it the other day. Rebellions as the sin of witchcraft. Whew. So we're in a season right now. seems as though God is allowing America to reap the fruit of her own choices. Our elections aren't working. Have you noticed? It shouldn't take a week to vote or count the votes. We don't need a whole month to vote. We got technology, dudes. What's going on? There's schemes, plans. How many hear me? God is allowing this once great nation to fail. And we're reaping just like he said. Go read it again yourself. We're reaping the fruit of our own ways, being filled with our own devices. How many hear me? Hmm. You know, um, Hosea 4.17, uh, I mentioned this to the men yesterday. Another thing, Kenneth Hagin, he said several things when I was young. I, I carried through life, and uh, this one really bothered me when he first said this. I said this in a prayer meeting this week as well, and I want to say it to you. Uh, I was over at uh, his Bible school, Rhema, listening. Uh, Susan and I were living in Tulsa, and, uh, and he, he gave an illustration of one of his family members who kept falling into error, and I think the person had a problem with alcohol and drugs and just never, never would live right and uh, just really causing problems with the family and all that. And he, and he would be homeless at times. He was driving down the road. And, uh, and he said, there's the guy on the street again. He said, well, Lord, I, but as he was coming up, was he going to talk to him? And he was praying, said, Lord, I pray for so-and-so mentioned the, the guy's name. And he said, the Lord spoke up inside of him and said, don't pray for him anymore. He's going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. 
And it bothered him. He said, well, wait a minute, Lord. Wait a minute. I, I, I got to pray. He said, no, he's rejected me and I'm done. And then God gave him Hosea 4.17. And this is King James Version. Um, a metaphor for Israel, or I guess a euphemism perhaps, Ephraim. Israel's called Ephraim. Ephraim is joined to his idols. Let him alone. And Kenneth Hagin mentioned that here's Hosea 4, 17 through 19, New Living. Leave Israel alone because she's married to idolatry. When the rulers of Israel finish their drinking, off they go to find some prostitutes. They love shame more than honor. So a mighty wind will sweep them away. Their sacrifices to idols will bring them shame. Y'all, how many know our nation's become very corrupted? Have you noticed? Did you know that? How, how can you pray for God's blessing? How can we say God bless America when we're not doing the things that obtain blessing? Yes or no? I'm saying all this not because I want to make you feel bad. Y'all, if we don't pray, it's going to get worse than you ever could imagine. Did you know that we could reach a point that our enemies could actually defeat us? Huh? You know, our nation, we've got some natural borders with oceans on two sides, and we've got Mexico at the bottom, Canada at the top. So, so we, we've not here to, and because we're so far away from other nations generally, big ones, you know, like China and Russia, we've not been so concerned about our enemies attacking us on our land. But did you know that that if we, don't, if we don't do this right, our enemies could actually come in and invade us. Have you ever thought about that? Hmm? Uh, America, so, so let me say this. Our nation is, I'm going to read my notes a minute because I'm looking at the clock. Our nation as a whole is corrupt. Our poli- now, t- check it. Our politicians love money more than truth and justice. Now, y'all, I do a lot of reading. Just listen. And I have found out, okay, so how can you, uh, the average, you know, senator, congressman, what are they making now? 175000 or so, 80000 They're giving themselves a raise constantly. So, I mean, uh, so how, how, can you, how can you become a multimillionaire on that kind of salary? Yes or no? I mean, let it sink in. Where's, where's the money? Now you say, well, their spouse, they got a big job. Well, maybe so. Some of that may be true. A lot of them, that's not true. Where's the money coming from? under the table. They're being paid to turn their heads the other way, to not listen to law, to pass legislation or none. How many hear me? I know this is challenging to say, but it's going on. Did you hear me? They know things aren't right and are doing nothing about it because they don't want to do anything about it. How many hear me? Why do we have a porous southern border? Can you answer that question for me? What's going across our border? Do you know terrorists are coming across our border? Do y'all think about these things at all? Do you think about them? Does it bother you? Do you know drugs are pouring across our border? Huh? Did you know, did you know uh, 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 criminals are, pour, are pouring across our border? And they're getting lost in the crowd. They're going to wake up one day. Do you know it seems as though there are plants from other nations, people from other nations who just sit in certain places just waiting, just waiting. Why is that happening? Somebody's being told to shut up. Our congressmen, our senators, those that should be enforcing law, they aren't for enforcing the laws. Why? Because it's corrupt. How many hear me? 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. God may judge the idle money in our future in some way in America. Yes or no? Do you know even churches, they won't preach certain things because of money? Yes or no? You want the crowd coming because you've got to keep the lights on, pay the mortgage, you better not say this or that or you'll run people off. Do you think that's a temptation for pastors? Huh? What if we preach the truth and speak it like it is? Well, you know, it causes challenge, doesn't it? 
So the love of money is also entered in some degree, not all the time and not always, but sometimes even into, into ministry things as well. Baal worship is rampant in America. I keep saying it. It's widespread immorality. It includes lust, fornication, which is living together without marriage, adultery, incest, homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, uh, pederasty, which is, which is literally pederasty means a, the violation of nature in the most horrible ways. Pedophilia. <sighs> Pornography. How can God bless that? How can he bless that? You've got to ask, are you involved in any of that? Do you, are you entertained with it? Do you let yourself be entertained with programs, TV programs and movies where these things are shown? Did you know that dumbs down the conscience where it doesn't matter anymore? Yes or no? You see, we got big challenges here, y'all. Moloch worship is rampant with abortion. And, you know, you heard me say this a few Sundays ago, 54% of people in America who, who abort their babies go to church. That ought to bother us. How can you be comfortable in the church if the pastor's preaching the word and you have no problem aborting your baby? How did you get that baby to start with? Are you married? If you're not married, what are you doing having sex, right? Is that true? Are you living with somebody and you're not married? See, that's the culture encroaching into the, even in the church. Well, how many hear me? And then the proceeds from abortion are used. It's an industry now. It's big business. Millions and millions, perhaps billions of dollars used from baby parts to make pharmaceuticals and things that help us live a better life. Do you want that in your body? Huh? How can God bless that? How can God bless that? So my encouragement, you know, I'm, I'm pretty wrought up about it. And as I pray, these things keep coming before me. I just can't pray, oh God, let the blessing of God be on America. Oh Lord, bless our leaders. Give them wisdom. No, no, no. You say, God, bring to light the hidden things of darkness. God, expose the crime. Expose the wrong. That's what the prophets of Israel did. I just finished reading again for the umpteenth time the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was disliked in every possible way. They tried to, the, the kings tried to kill him, but God constantly intervened. Uh, he was thrown in a cistern. He was put off by himself in prison numbers of times, but God always made a way for Jeremiah. Did you hear me? But he wasn't liked and because he called it what it was because Israel was in sin. And we need Jeremiahs today. Who's willing to be a Jeremiah? in your sphere of influence. Who's willing to be a Jeremiah? How many hear me? Among your friends. Family's the most difficult people you'll ever deal with because they will chew you out if you say a word about anything they do and say, who do you think you are? I know what you used to do because they don't know the blood of Jesus cleansed you from your sin. Is it true? Y'all, we got to wake up. So uh, anyway, this stuff's really, really rough. So I want to end with this. Everybody Okay. Something got my attention yesterday. I mentioned it to the staff team. I think I, I think I, oh, it was in the men's uh, meeting as well. I mentioned this thing. Um, it really bothered. This happened this past Sunday. So, uh, CO27, you know, the climate change people are around. You know that, right? Climate change is a hoax. I noticed every time I turn on the weather channel, they're always touting climate change. And on the news, always touting climate change. Have you noticed that? People are talking about climate. You know they're paid to talk about climate change? Did you know the World Economic Forum is, is, is pushing their agenda via climate change to control the finances of nations? Did you know that? Did you know that? I know. It's controversial to say. I got to say it. But this got my attention, so they had a climate change conference. I'm going to skip down my notes here. So I found this article. In fact, I read five, and I've got to go do some further research. It's got a lot going on, so I've got to go back and do this again. But here's the article I found. Um, it was uh, from a financial news place, but it said uh, Global PR Newswire. That's where it came from. Global religious leaders promote climate action during UN climate conference, COP27. 
Now here's, uh, now I've got a, I've got a um, hyperlink in the notes and all you've got to do is touch it and then it'll take you to your, uh, to your um, uh, search engine and you can see and read what I'm just about to read. Dozens of, re- this happened this past Sunday the 13th. Listen, dozens of religious leaders from around the world gathered today, Sunday, November 13th, simultaneously in London, in London, in Sharm El Sheikh, Jerusalem, and other locations around the world to hold, uh, to hold a groundbreaking climate repentance ceremony. Uh, that's not the kicker. Listen to this. This came out Monday. Dozens of religious leaders, Jews, Muslims, Christians, Hindus, Buddhists from Egypt, USA, Israel, India, Spain, and Great Britain gathered Sunday, November 13th at the base of the Parliament Hill in London and at the same time in Sharm El Sheikh, Jerusalem, and other places around the world, in an excited call to the leaders around the world to act for climate repentance and to act according to the 10 universal principles on climate, uh, that this is in the midst of the UN conference being held in Sharm El Sheikh. Sharm El Sheikh, I think it's about uh, 200 uh, uh, kilometers from uh, Mount Sinai. And how many know what happened at Mount Sinai? Moses received the Ten Commandments on the top of Mount Sinai. So at the base of Mount Sinai, you know what they just had? And they're calling it the Ten Commandments of Climate Change. They're wanting to replace the Ten Commandments with the Climate Change Ten Commandments. And you know what they're wanting to do with it? They're wanting to control the nations of the world. Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, and other people that are working along with him the Gilderbergs, the, um, uh, the uh, who was that? What, Rothschilds and others. There's a big conglomerate of people that are, are telling people and uh, um, organizations, big business, and et cetera, what to do worldwide. And friends, that is, it looks like the apparatus that the Antichrist is going to use to rule the world. Did you hear what I just said? I'm just trying to speak as plainly as I know how and whatever happens with my YouTube video happens to my YouTube video. And whatever you think about what I'm saying online, you just got to think about it. Because, friends, things are happening under our nose and on our watch. And this thing with climate change looks like it's an apparatus is going to be used, listen, by the Antichrist to control the nations of the world and to control commerce and to control what you do and how you do it. Did you hear what I just said? So when I read this, there was an alarm bell sounded inside of me. Israel is actually pushing this. Israel is also behind this climate change thing. Did you hear me? And the thing I think that rattled me a little bit is I know enough, and I taught on this enough from the book of Daniel to know that when the uh, that that what will begin the the tribulation and the revelation of the person the Bible calls this lawless one that will rule the political realm and the financial realm. We call him the Antichrist in, in, you know, in Christendom. Uh, the thing that will begin that will be an agreement between Israel and somebody. And so let me read Daniel 9.27 again. Listen, the ruler, that means the person, the lawless one, the Antichrist. The ruler will make a treaty with the people. It doesn't say what people. It says the people for a period of uh, a period of one set of seven. That's seven years. But after half this time, he'll put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. There's going to be a rebuilt Jewish temp- temple. He's going to intervene uh, some years into this agreement and say no more. Uh, and and as a climax to his terrible deeds, he'll set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. He's going to be destroyed and be put in the lake of fire one day. But I'm just telling you, this thing, I've always wondered, what is this treaty? What is this agreement that Israel and others are going to sign? Y'all, it's, I smell it on this climate thing. It just happened. They have agreed to the Ten Commandments of climate change. It's like a mockery of God. It's like demon spirits saying, well, you want those spiritual Ten Commandments? We're going to set them aside. Break those tablets again. We got some new ones. In fact, now it's 10 plus 1. They're wanting every nation of the world to take a break one and have a Sabbath rest for climate CO2 reduction. 
once a week, and they want to do it on Sundays. Did you hear me? And then Israel said, well, you know, our Sabbath's Friday night, Saturday night, so we're not going to do that. You can't make it. And so it's Ten Commandments plus one <laughs> because the one is where Israel can do theirs on Friday night, Saturday night. It's all about control, my friend. So I'm just said all that to tell you. And I took the long way around it to tell you it looks like we're really, really close to that seven-year period we call tribulation beginning. You need to be aware of that and be getting ready. Are you ready? Have you got your armor on? Are you praying? Life as we have known it, I don't think is going back to where it was. Now, you shouldn't, that shouldn't make you feel bad. If it makes you feel bad, you're closer to this world than you are to the next. So I'm going to end this by saying I have, I can't, I had something happen to me, um, oh, when, when COVID started, March of 2020. And uh, I had a grieving process. Because I knew that was what, what was happening with COVID was demonic. I don't have time to go there. And I'm not going there. But I wept by myself and I felt, I felt like my world had ended. I felt disenfranchised and upset that what I enjoyed doing is gone. And, and it's not coming back. You know, if, if, if someone you love dies, you know how you feel, you miss them. And there's that grieving process that starts with denial, then anger, and then acceptance and all that. Well, well, I went through that whole, it took me several weeks. And so, um, you know, the last part of March of 2020, first part, first several weeks of April 2020, I didn't tell anybody, but I was going through this process on the inside of me, like, what is going on? The things I enjoy are going away and they're not coming back. And it bothered me. And see, once I got to the end of that grieving process, now something fresh has happened in me. Y'all, I'm excited about Jesus. I'm excited about heaven. I'm excited about going. If somebody had told me to shut up or I'll kill you, I'd say, do what you think you need to do, but I'll never shut my mouth. Because my last breath will be talking to you and my next portion of life I'll be at the feet of my Savior, the Lord Jesus. How many hear me? So would you just lift your hands with me? Father God, it's just a strange thing to be talking about all this to me. And, and you know, we all in this room seem like we love you. I'm looking around the room. I think most everybody here committed to you. But Lord, I just bless you and worship you. Lord, we just take a moment as we conclude here. Lord, minister to us. If our hearts are not set on heaven, if our priorities are out of order, and there are certain, certain things in this life we've got to have, then move that out of the way. I don't have to have anything but you. I need nothing but you. You provide everything I need. Father, take us all through that process. Let us grieve our losses. Let us grieve the things we've clung to and let us let them go. And Lord, let us let the refiner's fire. Lord, let us allow the launderer's soap to do a thorough work in our soul, in our minds, in our emotions, in our humanness, in our bodies. And Lord, prepare us for the days ahead of us. And Lord, we do take a moment, we pray for this nation. A once great nation that is failing. We pray for the United States of America. Lord, I personally ask, and we have asked as a congregation, for another great awakening. Lord, bring a spiritual awakening to this nation. What is it going to cost us for that spiritual awakening to happen? What's going to happen before people are willing to let go of their idols? What is it going to be? Lord, thank you that you've promised to make a way. Lord, you said through the prophet Isaiah to make a way in the wilderness, the streams in the desert. That's a supernatural life. Lord, you made a way for Israel. The land of Goshen in Egypt protected them from the ten plagues against the gods of Egypt. Lord, we live in the land of Goshen. You've promised to provide. But Lord, let us be the light. Let us be the salt. Let us be the people that you've called us to be. And Lord God Almighty, I'm asking you, let there be a strong 
spiritual influence from the church of Jesus that rises again in this nation. Let it not be based on pride. Let it not be based on show. Let it not be based on personality. Let it be based on the presence of Jesus and the Word of God in the name of Jesus. Let it come strongly, sir. Let it come as a refiner's fire and a launderer's soul. In Jesus' name. Visit us. Ask Him to visit your life. Lord, As we just before we go here, anything we need to personally change, anything you need to challenge in us, Lord, we give you permission. Put your thumb on anything in life that is out of order. Any relationship, any thought, anything that we have, any event we have to be at, anything that we cling to that we know that is not of you. Lord, burn the dross. Bring the alloy to the surface and wipe it off. Let the refiner's fire do its work. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.